along this world. Podcasts fill the streets. It's up to two men bring order to the chaos. Welcome to Hardcasters, the uh, action podcast that shoots unarmed men in the forehead who are holding up diplomatic immunity with absolutely zero consequence. My name is Dominic Deplum, and I've been forced to partner against my will with the utterly lethal and visibly hard Dick Visage. Hello, Dick. Hello. Uh, I'm very excited that uh, not only is this our first episode, but the film we decided to talk about. But before we get into that, we should probably... Uh, go over just a little bit of context about what we're what this podcast is and what we intend to achieve. Yeah. What's our ambitions, Dick? Well, I think apart from you know, just smashing smashing the podcasting world in the face. Yeah, is to just delve deeper into the certainly the um, mid to late eighties, early nineties action genre and subgenre and yep. see what we can learn from it and yep. teach others absolutely and this is this is a well-worn subject um and i don't intend to bring anything new to it i think <laughs> why would why would we new, new stuff yeah. rubbish yeah absolutely yeah we should always look backwards um and uh and i think as well we're going to start we're not going to start too obscure we're going to cover some well-known films um and maybe dig into the kind of slightly more obscure things a, as we go, and B, as we run out of ideas. Indeed, um, yeah. I also think it's worth noting to everyone that we have taken a, a real um, stance against doing any research, and also um, we're not watching any of these films before we talk about them. So we're doing it entirely for memory, just to give it a bit of edge and the chance that actually we could be talking completely out of our asses from faded memories from about 10 years ago. I think that's the best approach. I don't know about you. I think that's the perfect approach. So shooting from the hip, research, yeah. bollocks, and yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's the way Pick ask, and then take names later, I think is the same. Yeah. Reference names, never. Yeah, make names up even. Just, just, yeah. just, yeah. yeah. So we have decided for our first film to go with the 1991 action smash, uh, <laughs> Out for Justice, starring Steven Seagal. Now, you actually—I I, I asked you what you what kind of films you think. You gave me two. I won't say mm. what the other one is. And this was one of your other your other choice. So, why did this film spring to mind immediately when you when when we said let's do an action podcast? Why did Out for Justice pop up to you as the obvious choice? Well, I think his his method methodology of policing in mm. Out for Justice is probably the template to use if you're yeah. a policeman. Because Absolutely. he clearly doesn't follow any rules or paperwork or no. anything like that. He's basically a criminal mm. who happens to have a cop badge. He, yeah, he, there is, I would say, zero police work in this film. Absolutely. And also, it does avoid some of the cliches in the sense that aside from talking to his captain at the start of the film... I don't think he really engages with any policeman across, along the way. It's just Steven Seagal walking around Brooklyn, just destroying people. He yeah. intimidates a young waitress 
um, played by Gina Gershon, who's a waitress, but it's also heavily implied she's some kind of sex worker, but it's not explicit. But she also seems to own the place she's... I don't know what her job is. There's a restaurant, kind of club. She's kind of... I think, in the, I think in that era of New York, exactly, any waitress had that, you know, waitress slash hooker slash stripper. Yeah. That, it was all encompassed one role. Yeah. When, when they sat down to write this, that they didn't think representation wasn't at their, their forefront of what they wanted to do. Um, to be fair, in, 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 the, in the pitch for the film, they probably threw the character out there, Gina Gershon's character out there, and said, around the table, what could she be? And everyone suggested a different role, hmm. and they just went with all of them, just yeah. to go, you know what, she's all of them. Uh, yeah. uh, so what I thought we'd do is, rather than go over the plot, because to be honest, and I don't mean this as a criticism, there's, the plot is very thin, and I think that's good. It's non-complicated. Um, uh, you know, it's William Forsyth uh, as a psychopath on a on 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 a on a just an absolute bender, um, and Stevens girl just following his trail until they meet, and he hits him yeah. with a frying pan. <laughs> so yeah, is yeah. it a utensil beatdown? Yeah, basically, absolutely. It's like um, he's gone to that section in IKEA and he's just trying them all out. Um, yeah. the, the only way that scene would have been better is if as he, each time he hit him, he would yell a Swedish name <laughs> of a different <laughs> thing. That yeah. would have been good. So what I've done is um, I've gone to the plot keywords on IMDb mm. just to give uh, the listeners at home and ourselves a, a, a thing of, of some of the key moments. And this also brings another fascination of mine of that is the plot keywords on IMDb. Um, because I don't know who writes these or who, who adds these on and why some of them are so specific. But these are some of the things that apparently either happen in or that Out for Justice are about. So first one, uh, murder of a nude woman. Now, there's, there's Polaroids of a naked woman dead, um, so I think that's accurate. But the fact that's number one is worrying. Um, yeah. Dog. Now... This is an important subplot amongst all the... And, let you know, not to get too uh, digressing much, but the thing that always attracted me to the Steven Seagal films in that era was they always had a kind of air of authenticity and realism. Now, I know there's lot, lots of people calling into question um, Seagal's martial arts credentials over, over, over time. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that, that um, you know, it's like a Tony Jaa film, but... Um, Obviously, the, the early, late 80s, early 90s were known for excess and big explosions and people flying through the O2 guns. And Seagal was very much walking along a New York street, a couple of quick moves, guys on the floor, you know, putting down as quickly as possible. So I always kind of appreciate there was a savagery and there was a brutality and an efficiency to them. And Out for Justice is, out of all of them, the most. You know, there's very little humour in it. It's very much just, you know, he smashes a guy's teeth out with a, with a billiard ball in a, in a hanky in one scene. And yet they felt necessary to have a subplot where just completely out of nowhere, you know, he's, he's in the murky world of mafia and, and violence and drugs. He just happens to stumble across a man throwing a dog in a river and he picks the puppy out and then he just decides that's his dog now. Um, and he just carries it around with him. And then at the end, oh no, and it, doesn't he say, uh, please God, let me run into this guy someday. Yeah. And then the last scene, 
is... It's the dog pissing on the face, isn't it? <laughs> it's exactly. the end of the dog urinating the man's face. Yeah, they're at a pier, and he sees the guy, and he kicks him in the nuts, and then the dog pisses on his face. And that's the end of the movie. So dog, I think the word dog here undersells what that is. I think that needs a oh, bit my... more content. Dog safe from drowning, dog pissing on a face. Something like that. Um, yeah. Now you get some things here, like stick fight, revenge, murder, detective drugs. And in the middle here, you get lingerie and mannequin. And I don't really remember where the mannequin comes into. I'm sure there is lingerie. I don't. But not enough to put yeah, an entire work. No. In this, it's got yeah. the word lingerie has got the same kind of weighting as Aikido, and it's definitely more of an Aikido movie than it is a lingerie film. Yeah, definitely. Um, Unless he, yeah. he does Aikido on a mannequin. Yeah. Warrior is a word there. Black comedy. I think that's incorrect. Um, police mm. chase, fair enough. Death of husband. Uh, held at gunpoint. Yeah. Punched in the face. Punched in the nose. Shot to death. Beating. Rampage. Thrown through a windshield, bloody nose, stabbed in the leg, shooting a dead body. I mean, this just now sounds like the best film ever. Um, bully and bully comeuppance. That must be the, the pissing they're talking about there. He's all kicked in the groin is there. Pimp, bust, prostitute, dark hero. Interesting. Leg blown off, urination, billiard ball, chop shop, slide locked back. Which I imagine is the click, click. Which again, yeah. I don't know whether do people does someone who really likes that moment in a film go through loads of films with the intention of seeing all the films that have got the slide lock backs and it adds those to IMDB films in one go, or was he I, just thinking as many things as he could? When I he hope he's trying to create a subgenre of that yeah. where that happens in a film. Corkscrew, meat hook, chase, stabbed in the hand, all good, and then the last two <coughs> are hit in the crotch. And surprise ending, which is, is a dog. Yeah, which I guess <clears> they didn't want to give away the pissing, which is why it's not mentioned. Well, urination, but they didn't specify dog urinating on Bully's face because they wanted to maintain that surprise ending. So well done, whoever put those together. Um, you kept that a secret. If, if we delved into those, yeah, because looking back on the film, I haven't seen it for a while, but the mm. things that I always remember about the film is Billy Bowles when he goes into the, into a bar mm. and smashes someone in the face with a sock full of billiard balls, corkscrew in the head, the yep. dog. Yeah. Um, and I also remember it just seems to be to try and create shock value, but where uh, William Forsyth, <laughs> Forsyth, the correct character, yeah, um, pulls a woman's out of the car and shoots her in the face yeah and then he just walks off laughing abandons his car uh, yeah yeah and they're, um, they're the things i remember again it, yeah. in my i'm keywords head they're, they're my kind of rolodex things that i go to in yeah. about that film i it, yeah it definitely stood out. i i used to um uh pre sort of internet and pre um digital tv and netflix Really, your only access to a lot of these films was through Sky Television, which required you to have a dish. Um, and we couldn't really afford that as a family. So, But my aunt and uncle over the road had it. So what I would do is give them an E24 video cassette. I'd say, can you put that in long play? I'd ask them to record a film and then say, can you just leave it running for the evening? 
and I'd normally get another two or three films at the end, which I didn't know anything about. Mm. Um, so, for example, one one night I asked them to record Predator 2, and then I just picked up whatever film. So I'd quite often see these kind of lower budget, more interesting films completely by surprise. And I'm pretty sure that Out for Justice was not only the first Stephen Scale film I saw, but it's so different to most 90s action films that it really stood out. And part of that was because it's got a kind of, and, I, and I'm, I'm aware I'm disappearing up my ass when I say this, but a kind of um, improvisational element in a sense that it's actually not that cliched for most action cop films. And a lot mm. of the time is Seagal driving around Brooklyn, having conversations which don't sound really like they're scripted. Yeah. Um, and he's putting on a kind of Italian-American gangster, gangster accent, which is kind of okay. It kind of gets away with it. But the thing for me that wins this film, um, even more so than the kitchen fight at the end, is the bar fight in the middle, which I think is not only um, a really good display of, of what Seagal could do physically with, or, or, you know, if he's not as good a martial artist as everyone says, a martial artist as everyone says, at what he could perform. But dare I say as an actor, I think he's very charismatic in it and very naturalistic. He's not giving one-liners. Mm. He's kind of talking and joking with people. But it's also such a well-constructed scene because it's not a big explosive action sequence. It kind of, he fights one person then goes to someone else. So to set the scene for people who haven't seen this and hopefully to recommend it, he's searching for Bobby Lupo, mm. who is uh, uh, William Forsyth's character. Um, and so he walks into his brother's bar. It's a pool bar. There is a bar at the end. And he just starts shouting at everyone in there about where is Bobby Lupo and insulting him. I believe he calls him um, a chicken shit fucking pussy asshole at one point. Um, and anyone who stands up to him, he punches in the face or throws in a phone box or, or, or whatever. And um, uh, he's knocking people off their bar stools. And, he, and then he starts smashing all the beer glasses. He goes behind the bar and he's talking to the barman. He goes, I see a lot of boxing memorabilia here, a lot of trophies. Who the boxer? Are you the boxer? And the boy, yeah, can you take me? Yeah. And then he just punches him in the face as well. He hasn't done anything wrong. Um, and then basically uh, someone at the bar who's a gangster says to everyone, I'll give, I don't know, a thousand dollars or whatever to anyone who brings me his badge. And so um, Seagal throws, un unloads his gun, throws it away, holds up his badge and says, this is your trophy come and get it. And so it's basically a succession of the bar flies attacking him, um, which he dispatches. And that's where he knocks someone's teeth out with a billiard ball, which is cut out in some, there's a brilliant, a brilliant version of it. I saw, I think on the first VHS copy I had that was cut where they cut out the bit where he puts the ball in the hanky. So he's actually just hitting people with a handkerchief <laughs> and they're flying everywhere, which is amazing. <laughs> If that was on IMDb keywords, handkerchief fights. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it's a good stick fight, but it's just, it's really, it's, it's funny, it's exciting, and it, he, Stimus Go is genuinely quite charismatic and has a lot of screen presence in that scene. So I think that that scene alone is actually a really good piece of action filmmaking and a really non-traditional part of it as well. Yeah. And I think as well, he kind of, Seagal in that sort of, 88 to 92, so Nico, Out for Justice, mm. Under Siege, that era. Yeah, yeah. Again, he didn't look like an actual, you know, a, that action hero at the time. He wasn't massive, muscular, and but yeah. I think actually he looked the part. He was quite 
you know, quite had a, a look about him. He doesn't, I mean, now he looks like a fat, chalky wheat a bit. So, <laughs> <laughs> he, he can't, you know, he just yeah. looks like he's, he's, you know, but that back then he was, you know, kind of like ponytail, Italian-American, yeah. and he could do martial arts. And again, he was like yeah. a gangster who could fight yeah. with, with kind of a different style. So, yeah, I think, and like you say, with the, the delivery, I think it's it's not, one-line catchphrases it's about mm. him being like an edgy gangster type which worked yeah i can't I, remember if the first cigar i saw was nico or out for justice but they all kind of go hand in my head they go kind of hand in hand yeah i would say the only one and i don't want to talk about the other films too much because no doubt we'll, we'll come back to them at later but um hard to kill <coughs> um which i believe is his, his second starring film is probably the more traditional 80s action film of them all. That one's, um, it's William Sadler's the kind of, I think he's like a presidential candidate or a mayor or something, whose mm. um, slogan is you can take that to the bank and he's corrupt. So Steve Seagal shoots him and says, you can take that to the bank, the blood bank, which doesn't work on any level. Um, but that, yeah. one's, that one's got more kind of traditional action music. It's a bit bigger, but Nico, aka Above the Law, for those in, in the US, um, yeah. and Out for Justice definitely feel like that similar kind of style of film but also Marked for Death which is my Out for Justice is definitely my favourite Seagal movie Marked for Death might be my second which is the voodoo one um, is also yeah, up yeah. there um, yeah and then yeah I think Under Siege took his style on, on, on the big screen and then after that that's where he started to go He's, he started to get a bit more conceptual around environmentalism and mysticism and stuff like that. And he started wearing snakeskin jackets and, um, you know, making sure that he's more of his songs were in. I think he sings a couple of songs in early films, but more of his songs are on the credits. And it goes a bit, um, uh, a bit more entertaining for different reasons. But I think Out for Justice is, is, is kind of pure action cinema. I think it's, I think it's a genuinely a good movie. I really, really like it. Isn't, what's his boss called? Isn't his boss got a brilliant name? Oh, the captain. I'll have a look. Um, hang on. So he. So first of all, Seagal is called uh, Detective Gino Fellino. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so, oh no, sorry, beg your pardon. William Forsyth is Richie Man- Madano. Richie. Uh, Bobby Lupo is the guy he kills. I apologise for that. Um, the captain is Captain Ronnie Donziger. Ronnie Donziger. Ronnie Donziger. Um, yeah. And uh, Gina Gershon is Patty Madano, Rich's sister. Um, it doesn't state what she does um, as a job. Um, well, wasn't the, the, his partner who got killed, wasn't he just revealed to be a massive shit? Wasn't he just like, he, there was no, actually, when you look, his character like actually he was a bastard so I've got no sympathy now yeah because um, it's actually quite clever because what basically you discover is so so the uh, Forsyth character Richie um, <coughs> finds out that Seagal's friend stroke partner has been having an affair with the same mistress that Forsyth is sleeping with yeah. that's why he kills him but he knows killing him is going to get him killed so the reason he goes on the rampage he's just having he just, he's basically knows it's his last night alive so he just 
has the best night you could possibly think of, which includes killing a woman in the street and whatever. But that's basically it's just a, an absolute psycho knowing he's going to die and not caring. And Seagal as this kind of figure of vengeance, just waiting for the point where he catches up and bashes him around the head with, with kitchen implements. Because that is a end fight scene. It is, but that end fight scene is not really a fight scene no. because he just whacks him all around the kitchen, doesn't he? There's no yeah. like threat. He just no. beats the living shit out He doesn't land a punch on him. I think. Um, no. I get a feeling, I think Seagal gets a wound earlier, and I think he might. I always am I getting that confused another one? Because Seagal, one of Seagal's signatures was the fact that actually most fights, very few people laid a hand on him. He'd often get like <laughs> a scratch or something. Um, yeah. uh, but I think it's actually more like a scene from Bottom than it's just like <laughs> two people fighting in a dingy kitchen with, with saucepans. Um, yeah. yeah, I love it. I think it's hilarious, but 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 good. Yeah, so it'd be yeah. great if he put his head in a fridge and repeatedly closed it whilst looking into the camera. That would be great. Yeah, having yeah. that'd be you know that that'd be just yeah. top it off. It, the only thing it's missing is one of them shitting their pants, and then that would have that would have sealed it. That's probably Seagal now. If he did an action film now, he that probably probably would happen. Yeah, I mean, what I would recommend, just to get a sense of the difference, is look at some of the early fights. And if you go on YouTube, there's people that have done compilations of Seagal fights. And if you look at the more recent ones, um, and I went through a phase of dipping into some of Seagal's more recent efforts, and he's making about, at one point, he was making like three or four films a year, um, uh, all straight to DVD or straight to, to, to streaming. I always think that, I think Seagal was ahead of his time in the fact that most of his films, possibly not for justice, but most of his films were straight to DVD before DVD existed. Like, if you can <laughs> yes. imagine, like, yeah, a lot of the kind of films that he churned out were like, I imagine, would f- now be like straight to DVD. It's almost yeah. like he, he got that market early on. As, yeah. as you like. Well, watch them on YouTube. They're very heavily edited. There's lots of close-ups. You can't really see him moving. It's just kind of hands doing that and someone falling over. Um, whereas a lot of the early ones are all kind of in wide shots and you can see him doing all the moves. But there's some really bizarre stuff. There was one where he's fighting um, Mike Tyson in a film. But it's all slow motion Tai Chi stuff as well, which Seagal's never been particularly famous for in films. And it's very weird to watch. Um, but yeah, uh, in his prime, Seagal was an imposing and charismatic action uh, star um, and I would say out for justice if you if you're if you're in a kind of 90s action kind of uh, mood but you want something a little different you know less Schwarzenegger riding a Harley Davidson blowing things up or or what have you you want something a little bit more a little bit more edgy uh, out for justice should do you absolutely fine um, I think it's great When they did the DC Universe, did Batman versus Superman, and they yeah. called it Dawn of Justice, that yeah. sound that subtitle sounded like a Seagal film. Yeah, absolutely. Like I can imagine Seagal being one of the Justice League, which would be amazing. 
yeah. then or well um, okay let's let's skew this into then um uh <coughs> let's take a bit of a swerve so let's imagine that between uh out for justice and under siege mm. Seagal released a film called Dawn of Justice. Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> what would that, what would that film have been? So this is, this is pre mysticism, Steve yeah. Seagal. This is this ruthless okay. efficiency. We've got to come up with a name for Seagal. Now, normally we would go along, we would include the name of the film in his, his name. He'd be, he'd be Frank justice or something, but that's not actually a naming convention of, no. should, I, should we go through some of Steven Seagal's characters names? Yeah, this is just a treasure trove. Okay, so so we got uh, Nico Toscani, which is a which is a you know a, a human name. Um, mm -hmm. Mason Storm. Yeah. Um, obviously Casey Ryback. Then we go Forrest Taft. Then uh, Orin Boyd. Uh, Brilliant. Jonathan Cold, as in I've got a cold. That's um, yeah. Uh, is that Stone Cold Justice or something? No, that's the foreigner. And he, he comes back. He's a reoccurring character. He comes back in 2005. That's the 2003 film, The Foreigner. He comes back in 2005 in Black Dawn as uh, Jonathan uh, Cold. And we've got Travis, Hunt, Travis Hunter. Uh, now, obviously, if anyone's doing this uh, themselves, you'll notice that he was in the Onion movie as a character called Cock Puncher. Um, that's not the character's name, or maybe it is. I don't know. Oh, in Gutshot, he's Paulie Trunks. Amazing. Uh, Gan Siren Kiri. Don't know what that is. That's that. Don't know where that name comes from. Uh, uh, Bollywood Seagal. Did Seagal do a Bollywood film? He, maybe. And Beyond the Law, he's Augustino Adair. Um, oh, hang on. Look at this. So on. On IMDb, which we know we can't be trusted, as his last film was Beyond the Law, 2019, announced is Above the Law 2, which is Nico 2, as Nico Toscani. So he might be coming back where he started all the way back in 1988. So actually, he generally has names that are just... He's kind of a proto-Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage has some yeah. bizarre names. So yeah. I would say if we're going to name... Seagal's character in Dawn of Justice, the best way to go is if we can think up two surnames. Yeah. And then one of them is just his first name. So, okay, you think of a surname, I'll think of a surname, and then we'll just say them and then we'll see how they connect together. So, are we going, are we going, so that kind of era of Dawn of Justice and Nico, when he was kind of playing up to an Italian American character, are we just going, Full, full in. Just I, I, yeah, I would. Uh, I would. I would just go go with your heart, Dick. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I shall. Okay. Um, what surname were you thinking of? I was going to go for. I was going to go Italian American. Yeah. Um, Fettuccini. 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 Okay. Well, I was going to go Snatcher. So I, <laughs> I think Snatcher Fettuccini is a, yeah. is a good Seagal. Okay, so in Dawn of Justice, Snatcher Fettuccini, uh, 
what is he? Yeah. Is, is he a cop or is he ex-special forces? Generally, he's a cop with like a CIA background. I I think so. Let obviously we've got to think about Dawn. How we can play the Dawn? So I think cop. Um, but he had. He was. I think he was in uh, not not CIA or special forces. Mm. He was in some sort of. Let's go land of the rising sun. Let's go Japan. So he was in some sort of Japanese crack force, and then yes. he came to the US. Yeah, which is in- interesting. It's what Seagal actually did. Seagal trained and grew up uh, uh, in his in his kind of think late teens, early twenties in Japan. Um, so he was yeah okay. So he was a, a, a an operative working in Japan, and he's come. Is he is he going to be in the city in US or is he going to be in the country? I kind of felt with Dawn, my immediate thing was Park Ranger. Yeah, um, yeah. Kind so of. So he could. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with that. So he was. He he saw some shit in Japan, you know. Some um, he got involved in some heavy corrupt politics and what have you. He learned uh, his martial arts and some samurai stuff, but um, he came back to the US, but had to kind of keep a low profile because mm. his old CIA kind of contacts. Are, are possibly after him so now he's got a job as a park ranger and uh there's lots of shots of him standing on a on a ridge at sunset or at sunrise even uh we like the, Danny, yeah i'm just thinking when, if we go with a you know he adopted a dog that got chucked out a window can he find a beaver that's been hurt in a forest fire and he's nursing back to health so he's stood on the rock with a beaver. Yeah. It's foot in a cast on the, just the sunset. Yeah, no, I think, I think the beaver has broken teeth and can't gnaw the crater <laughs> dam. Yeah. So he fashions yeah. the beaver a set of dentures, um, yes. out of some ivory or something. He's got like, a, like the hilt of his samurai sword he turns into. Uh, t- maybe that's, okay, that's, that's the kind of character arc. Uh, yeah. He thinks he's left his life behind, but he's still got a cabinet full of weapons. And after he's yeah. dispatched his attackers, he looks at his, his ornate ivory-handled samurai sword and, think, and, and looks at the beaver and says, I've got no use for this anymore. Maybe you have. And he whittles, in a series of slow dissolves, a pair yeah. of new teeth for the, the beaver and lets it go into the wild. I, then Seagal walks into the wild and we never see him again. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. What we could do as well, we could, in the opening credits, we could see him whittling said teeth. Yeah. But we, do, we don't really know what that is. We don't, we can't really see that. He's like, what's yeah. he doing? We, and then later on, we go, ah, that's what yeah. he was doing all along. He, he basically, as well as being a park ranger, his, his sensitive human style is he, he whittles prosthetics for injured yeah. animals. So there might be like a bear with a wheel for a leg or <laughs> a kind of yeah. bird with, with fake wings or, a, you know, uh, two, a, a new beak made out of um, thimbles, something like that. He's yes. very handy. Um, and, uh, but I also like the idea of when we're introduced to him, he's, um, he's, be, he's being overzealous in his job for something mundane. So maybe like someone's had a picnic and they've littered or someone's smoking a cigarette 
maybe that's the one. So someone's maybe smoking a cigarette and he kind of shoots the cigarette out of his mouth and says yeah. must mark about open flames. You should know better than to have an open flame in the forest. And later on, the bad guy walks around the corner and he's soaked the floor in petrol and he stands and goes, you should know better than to have an open flame in the thing and then flicks the cigarette in slow motion, which hits the petrol Brilliant. and burns the guy alive. Um, that's Possibly that's causes a forest fire in the process. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you don't give a shit. He's, 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 he's all right. Um, in the 90s, you know, no one cared about that in the 90s. Yeah, absolutely. Really. Can, um, can we have a scene as well where he is tooling up, yeah. but he's also whittling? So he's kind of whittling something Traps. as we see. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Like the, so um, making... yeah, like the end of Predator when they're setting the traps for the. Um, or no, he's, he's practicing martial arts against the, the sunrise, but he's yeah. also whittling traps and stuff um, yeah. as well. Yes. I think this is great. Can he wear, like, think of his uniform, can he wear, like, ridiculous green socks pulled up to his knees, Yeah. small brown shorts, and some sort of brown skirt, maybe even with a, with a hoggle around <laughs> his neck? I, I imagine him... Dressed like the park ranger in um, Yogi Bear. That kind of. Yeah. 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 But maybe he's got like a, a silk neckerchief or, you know, uh, a, a Japanese headband, like a samurai headband or something. Yeah. Or he just carries a sword with him. Something like that. Maybe a samurai, massive samurai sword. Yeah. Uh, that he, he, he almost he walks around the forest with it, but it's completely cumbersome and doesn't do anything for his job but sometimes he likes chopping wood with it yeah for, for it to aid his whittling i'd also like one point he's trying to track someone and he sits down kind of cross-legged and he puts his hands on his knees and he closes his eyes and we go in and then we dissolve on an extreme close-up of his eyes to the extreme close-up of the eyes of an eagle and we yeah. see from the eagle's point of view uh, as if he can somehow commune with animals. I think he should commune with animals. I think actually, <laughs> yeah. we've got him put that as a, as a subtle yeah. hint that he actually does. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I think, I think if we looked at the IMD, IMDB keywords, commune with animals would definitely be in there. Uh, beaver, beaver dentures uh, <laughs> would be in there. Siege, uh, picnic fight. So what's his, what's his, what's the most ultra-violent thing he's going to do to someone in the film? What's the, uh, beyond the burning alive, maybe, maybe he can whittle someone. He can whittle them down to their skeleton. <laughs> just, to, just to tie that narrative thread up. Yeah, yeah. There we go, there we go. Yeah, I think he should. I get, yeah. early, early on, an animal bites or pecks or scratches the villain and the villain yeah. kicks the animal away, damaging its leg or its wing or whatever. And then at the end, <laughs> the gal, you know, holding his knife the way he does, um, yeah. whittles someone down to their skeleton and then makes the prosthetic for the injured animal out of the bad guy as a kind yeah. of poetic, as a poetic dawn. That's the justice in the dawn of justice. It's justice for the animal. Yeah, yeah. Can, um, can the Yakuza be the villains? I think I think there's that yeah they've uh, he pissed he killed someone he put someone in in prison 
um, and there's not been closure, and they hunt him down, and they, um, they, uh, yeah, they find him in his log cabin. Um, it's brilliant. I'd say. Yeah. Ex- what, what could he have done in Japan? What could he, his role have been in Japan? Oh, what was um, the after? So let's say he was, because um, I'm thinking of the flashbacks mainly. That's what I'm thinking. There's got to be, he's got to have fallen in love with a young Japanese girl. Yeah. That maybe was the daughter of a Yakuza boss. And that yeah. brought shame on the Yakuza gang. So they killed her and that upset him. Yeah. He killed a few Yakuza and then came back to the, and that got him fired from the CIA because he overstepped yeah. the boundaries. That got him in the bad books with the Yakuza because he stepped into their honor system. And that's why they've sent people to kill him. So every now and again, he has a flashback. I think- I think as well we start with a flashback. So you know some films start with like an ultra-violent where we go, oh, and then it says five years later or whatever. So I think yeah. let's chuck Japan in there falling. So he, yeah. we see him escorting in full silk uh, pyjama yeah. yeah, full full on, sword behind his back, escorting a young, beautiful Japanese girl at a sumo wrestling event. Yeah, and he's stood there, whining and dining there. He's got his sake and you know laughing and, and whatnot. And he's bought her like a, um, he's handing her like a Japanese flower. And it's all slow motion. And then we hear the synthesizer. Oh, can, can he can he have hidden a wedding ring in the flower? Yes. Yeah. And then yeah. Or he's got a friend who's a sumo, who yeah. comes over to him before the event, takes the ring out of his nappy, pops it in the flower, and then he gives it to her. Um, and, you know, he kind of gurns the audience, to like, that's how he's got it. But then we go, he does that, it's all slow motion, it's all nicely lit, and then synthesizer comes in, and then we see, like, these bastards come out of the, the, the smoke, wearing sunglasses, and yeah. clearly looking for him, and then he sees him, he spots him over the sumo fight, um, and there's a bad sumo wrestler who he has to fight first, and they kind of they they kind of nudge it, nudge the bad sumo guy and say and point at Segal. Yeah. He engages said sumo wrestler, fights him, brings him down, and then there's lots of shooting, and then we see him take a few yakuza yeah. down. I, I'm and gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make one slight adjustment there. I'm gonna make one slight adjustment there. I I think that rather than the bad guys set the sumo wrestler on him, I think during the fight he should find his way on stage. Yeah. And then the sumo wrestler is just like, I'm going to chuck you off. And then he beats the sumo wrestler. I don't reckon the sumo wrestler is a bad guy, I think. And then all the crowd roar and cheer yeah. as a hero, but then yeah. he gets back into the action. I, I, yeah. Otherwise, yeah, definitely he fights the sumo wrestler in the opening, in the opening scene. And then the, the, when the act is all going down, does the girl die? Has he kind of got her in his arms and his, his silk kimono is covered in blood and he's kind of... Stares into the camera. I, 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 her hand falls open and the flower rolls out, and he picks the flower and he sniffs it and then looks at, looks up sadly. And the camera yeah. dissolves to yeah. magic hour in one of the America's lovely national parks as we're panning across yeah. a lovely picturesque scene. Some upbeat kind yeah. of 90s music starts to come in. The yeah. producer credits, the director credits, Steven Seagal in Dawn of Justice. Um, 
and then we're in. We're off. Could we do a commando style? You know, at the start of commando, when he's yeah. he's he's gone from him cutting a, a tree down with a chainsaw to yeah. him deer, um, yeah. getting ice cream from like a lovely hilltop, something like that, where he's walking around the forest, enjoying nature. So he's yeah. uh, helping a, a beaver build a dam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's 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 a, he's dressed in a beekeeper's outfit and he's helping bees get honey. Yeah. yeah. Can I in in all that? Can I also throw in he's helping give birth to a cow? So it just cuts to a scene of him shoulder deep in a cow's ass. Yeah. Um, yeah. And all yeah. the while, yeah, he has a small child with him that he's showing all this stuff to. Who's gradually getting yes. more and more horrified as the montage goes on. Or he's got a class of children. So he's doing like an educational... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which he's not happy about. Um, the park ranger station no. is like, Snatcher, uh, we've got a job for you today. Uh, we've got a class in and there's some hilarious... Kind- we can get in with some kindergarten cop stuff in there. With, with maybe a, uh, one the kids can say shit and that's hilarious. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we can have like um as as in eighties slash nineties films, a la yeah. Ghostbusters, Kindergarten Cop. We could have an obnoxious yuppie kid who yeah. keeps trying to, you know, just slight him, and at the end he yeah. gets his comeuppance at the end of the credits. Um, yeah. Maybe Seagal just because <laughs> uh, he can commune with animals, or there's a lot of killer bees on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> this Dawn of Justice is, uh, yeah, the already a much better film than Batman versus Superman. All day long, all day yeah, long. Um, do do we, we need to give it a tagline as well? Really? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, okay. So um, now, nineties tagline. So let's let's get some examples of. Uh, so let's look at the Nico poster. Because some of these can be a bit uh, wordy. Okay. He was a covert agent, trained in Vietnam. He has a master's sixth degree black belt in Aikido and family in the mafia. He's a cop with an attitude. That's the tagline. Um, Takes ages. Uh, Marked for death. They've uh, attacked his family. They've killed his partner. They've made the wrong guy very, very angry. And then hard to kill... Oh God, this is very... He's LA detective Mason Storm. Three hired assassins left him for dead and he's waited seven years to even the score. So these are just actual descriptions of the plot. So let's say he's a park ranger with a mysterious past. They're the Yakuza with a, a, a code of honour. <laughs> or we could just... <laughs> this, is a, this is a beaver with no teeth. Well, we could have just one word to describe. So, um, samurai, black ops, yeah, park ranger. Okay, how about this? Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a bit more poetic here. A right. vengeance that slept for ten years will wake on the dawn of justice. How about that? Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it. I mean. Now, obviously, trying to keep it '90s era, I actually think this is this is more uh, on Deadly Ground era, to be honest. But yeah, let's have a little bit of leeway. But part of me now wants to push this further and go. 
we're in a meeting with Seagal, we're pitching him Dawn of Justice. Mm-hmm. What ideas do we throw in that we know might get rejected? So my first one on the list is he's got to fight a bear. All day long. If he's in the forest, he's got to fight. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But then again, Seagal often fights more than one person at a time. So I'm going to say he fights a family bear. Can we do like a, um, uh, a Goldilocks and the Three Bears riff? Like he accidentally wanders into a bear's cave, like home, and eats some of yeah. their food. He's gone survival mode. Um, like in Rambo, he's out in the woods and he, he eats some food and then the three bears surround him and he kicks a shit out <laughs> with a keto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he could say something like, um, uh, this, this, this chair is too lumpy and just smashes a bear over the head with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, which means as yeah, well, I'm liking. which means as well, something we'd pitch. I don't think he'd go for it, but something we'd pitch in the scenes that he bleaches his hair for this film. So imagine yeah. that long blonde mane, um, bleached, hot white. Could there be a scene? Yes. Where it's almost like Seagal becomes Snow White when he because he can commune with animals. He kind of there's a scene when he yeah. stands there. And all like birds and beavers and stuff that kind of land on him, and he's like stares into the camera after he's tooled up, and all the yeah. animals land on him. And I like the idea that, on. like, he gets them to help clear up. So after he's murdered everyone, they all dispose of the bodies for him. So you get these shots of like squirrels dragging a body up a tree, and these other things yeah. dragging a body, like rabbits pulling a, a a body down a rabbit hole or something like that. Yeah, um, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely, <clears throat> absolutely. Definitely. He could even whittle a guitar. So he could even have a bit of a guitar. Just thinking the same thing, yeah. And he, he starts playing it. And he, yeah, yeah that's, that's, you know, Seagal well, all over. Okay, so there's got to be a love interest that's got yeah. to kind of rekindle, who's, a, who's maybe one of the mums of the kids. Um, you know, very high genes. Um, and I like the idea he takes her out. Um, and literally they're out. He takes her out to the romantic part of the woods. And... He goes, uh, pass me that piece of wood. She passed him a solid bit of wood and he pulls out a blade and he's sort of like, tell me about your life. And she talks about how her husband died or whatever. And when she cuts back, he's already whittled the guitar just while sat there. <laughs> and then he plays yeah. and the animals come out and listen. Um, yeah. And then, and then yeah, that's... Yeah, I like it. Yeah. yeah. But what I will say she is you very, like... very rarely see Seagal on the job. Like, you very rarely see him doing the business. So I think that would be a slow dissolve way to suggest some antics. But you'd never see him, yeah. never see him do it. Um, because that would suggest some kind of vulnerability, and he's not down with that. Could he cut? Like, he can clearly look into her eyes. Could then cut to, like, a rabbit jumping down a hole? Or... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Bees flying into a beehive. Yes. Yeah. Or just two animals having sex. <laughs> All that, yeah. <laughs> two horses. <laughs> just <laughs> graphic detail. <laughs> or it's a silhouette of him whittling two people having sex. <laughs> so basically, Dawn of Justice um, is actually just an elaborate kind of adaptation of Goldilocks and the Three Bears, the Three Bears, with Steven Seagal um, as an ex CIA operative who'd worked in Japan turned uh, ultra violent park ranger 
who whittles prosthetics for injured animals as a hobby. Yes. Um, okay, so I think it's about time that we introduce our what is going to be a reoccurring segment, which I'm going to call Justice. 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 What I want this to be is I want to create a brand new manual of standard police procedure that has been t- entirely compiled from the movies we watch. So if we okay. go back to Out for Justice, what what type of policing do we see in there? Uh, let's have one each um, that we think should go in to standard operating procedure for new police officers. What striking moment do you think should be standard? I think his... Because clearly he is following a, an agenda and he's following his gut. So I think just trashing a bar because actually most action films get something from doing that. So even if it's catching someone, yeah. finding that information, actually yeah. he doesn't even bother staking it out. So what, no. you know, he just goes in there and goes, you know what, I'm going to get someone out of this. Even just to, to, just to wind someone up so they try and punch him so yeah. he takes him down. So actually, at the end of the day, he's got his police figures up. Yeah. Even if he doesn't catch anyone related to, he's trying to get. He, he's he's caught about three people trying to hit him or carry knives, and he's like, you know what? There's my police numbers done for the yeah. day. So yeah, okay. So, so new officers. Yeah, on on en- entering a licensed premises, uh, should start by destroying the place before asking questions. I think that's a good that's a good yeah. piece of procedure. Yeah. yeah. So, ideally, if there's police starting out, you know, if it's your local pub or yeah. bar, just, the fir- just go in there. The first it. thing you do when you go in is start breaking things. Yeah. Um, now, you don't have to destroy the whole bar. If someone gives you what you want to know <coughs> in the meantime, you can stop. But you, you should yeah. start destroying things. Um, push a jukebox over, you know, uh, yeah. throw a glass across the, the thing. Yeah, anything like that. Knock an old man off his piano stool. Absolutely. Yeah. Or shut it, shut it on his fingers. Um, yeah. You know, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my one is going to yeah. be about dress code. And I think that um, a sleeveless shirt with no undershirt, beret, and wearing your police badge on a chain around your neck should be acceptable <laughs> dress for any police officer, uniformed or otherwise. You can, you can take the sleeves yeah. off and a beret. Um, I think that's... Those two things, I think, will, will be great for standard operating procedure. Uh, exactly. If you walk into a bar with said beret and yeah. vest and chain around there, you, people can go, it, right, he's going to get attention straight away. So he doesn't even need to really announce himself. That straight away, his, his code of dress is standing him out of someone who is going to carry a snooker balls in a sock. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean... It, I think we've got to be strict because uh, we need to leave these new police officers some kind of improvisation. But if I was going to go for a third, it would be uh, snooker balls in a in a in a sock or hanky is an acceptable hand to hand combat weapon, uh, a yep. melee weapon. But I'm going to cut it off at two. So we're going dress code and what to do when entering a licensed premises. Um, yeah. uh, before questioning, I think that's that's going to set a great example for policing. Well, 
Um, I think that that just about does it. I think we've we've covered that film in in an academic level of uh, of detail. Um, yeah. I think it's up there with some of the best critical analysis of 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 the art form. Um, and now this is the other thing though. We're, we're this is what we're in danger of now. And again, a little bit of context. Myself and and Dick have long pitched action movies. And some of those films or some of those pitches that seemed hilarious and ridiculous at the time have kind of come to fruition. Um, You know, the the amount of times we've uh, spoken to each other and said, I can't believe they ripped our idea off. Uh, I can't, they must've been listening. So we are going to have to, because I wouldn't be, what I don't want to see is in five years time, Segal or otherwise, an ex-CIA officer come park ranger fighting three bears and whittling prosthetics to animals, um, you know, uh, and then us be sat there again, you know, how did this happen? I mean, we basically wrote the Fast and Furious films before they happened. Yeah. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not making any legal claims. I'm not, I'm not going to lawyer up, but just, just to say, yeah. oh, I, don't, I don't want, you know, Statham as, as, as a whittling park ranger. It'll happen. Um, as to have it egg on our face again. So, yeah. you know, I don't know whether this acts as copyright, but I think it's important that, you know, we get we, we have our pitch recorded for Prosperity. Yeah. And that has made for a very full and packed first episode of Hardcasters. Um, I feel replete. I don't know about you. A little bit empty. Oh, really? Well, yeah. then we better... In a good come... way. In a good way. <laughs> oh, you, you're spent. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact that you're spent and I'm replete, <laughs> you're empty, I'm full, um, to the brim, um, means that we must come back another time and allow me to repay the favour and empty into you <laughs> my passion and love <laughs> for uh, an act- another action movie. We won't tell you which one it is because, frankly, we probably won't decide on it until about five minutes before recording. Um, or during, but, during the episode, to be fair. Or, yeah, we might just start talking and see what happens. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for taking this journey with us, um, uh, or starting this journey with us. Um, and uh, we'll see you next time for some more absolute horseshit. Hot, hot action. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Hot action's better than absolute horseshit. I just thought of that. Yeah. Let's go with hot action. <laughs> Thank you.